passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to episode two of the Cape Cod Pod. I am your host, Jeff Ponce. This is the podcast that talks all things Cape Cod League throughout the summer. And of course, as always, I have my co-host alongside me live from beautiful Omaha. That would be Pete Flaherty, one of our college analysts. How is it going, Peter? I know you're out there in Omaha enjoying the College Baseball World Series, which has been a notable one, so to speak. So I... Again, this is my rookie year, but I can't remember a time where there were so many great games. There was this amount of unbelievable talent uh, on across all teams. Um, last night had, I think was, in my mind, it was the game of the year for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are calling it the game of the century, um, but it was, it's been an unbelievable experience so far and Still got two more games with a uh, with a championship series of LSU and, and Florida, which is sure to be fun. So excited for the championship series. Excited to get back on the ground on the Cape right after. Um, depending if it goes two or three games, I'm either flying out at 6.30 on Sunday and getting in at 1 in the morning on Monday, or I'm flying out at 5 a.m. on Tuesday and getting there for the Tuesday game. So quick nice. turnaround to get right back to the Cape, which I'm excited about. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, there again this week after an incredibly busy uh, last week with end of school stuff, end of little league stuff, end of softball stuff for my different kids. So got three, so they keep me pretty busy with some of those things. So it was a little different experience, but was able to get out to the yard this week. I'll be out there tonight in Wareham. Uh, Tanner Witt of Texas, who is recovering from Tommy John surgery. I believe he pitched a little bit during the regular season, but he's going tonight for Chatham. So Really excited to get out there, see what Wit looks like pre-draft. This could be a guy that goes top three rounds. I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn there. And here's a little aside, Peter, one that you're going to be excited about. I don't know if you're already uh, familiar with this or aware, but a former Cape League MVP, a standout for the Katua Ketteliers back in 2019, Nick Gonzalez was actually just promoted moments ago, like within the last two minutes, publicly at least to the Pittsburgh Pirates Major League roster. So Nick Gonzalez, oh, officially a Major Leaguer. Congratulations. No way. That's a li- this is a live reaction. That's unbelievable. 
Yeah, I thought uh, I was like, hey, I tried, I threw on Twitter to see if anything was new in my Cape Cod League feed, and because I have different lists for different things, and Nick getting promoted was right up top, and uh, oh, he was a guy that I think is a good example. Yeah, oh, a what a example. note to start. What a note to start the pot on. That's exceptional. Yeah, absolutely, and I think he's a good example, as I was saying, of the type of progression from a prospect standpoint and like a pedigree standpoint that the Cape Cod league can really bring to some of these players. It's a good reminder. Nick was a guy that, you know, hit a ton during his sophomore season at New Mexico state uh, comes to the Cape during 2019 was outside first round conversation. I think there was a lot of skepticism about his line, about his production because of the ballpark and how friendly it is to, for a hitting environment, particularly power there in New Mexico state comes to the Cape hits from, you know, pull the pole, as I always say, like this guy was the best player on the Cape from the first game of the season all the way until the championship game um, when every potential award was probably one of the greatest Cape League seasons of all time. And I don't even think that's hyperbole. This guy played himself into the top 10, especially when you consider there were only three weeks of a season in 2020. Where he went in the draft was heavily based on that production and what he did for it that summer. So every year we see some guys like this. Last year it was Matt Shaw. Year before it was Chase DeLotter and Spencer Jones and some of these guys. Every year there's somebody like that. We're going to talk about a couple of names today that I think could potentially sort of fit into that range. But let's talk a little bit about the Cape Cod League standings at the moment. And uh, I actually have to pull those up because when I had pulled the notes together, I realized that the standings that I had are now a day old, uh, and Katuit had actually lost last night, so they are uh, they are in fact eight and four at the moment, as opposed to eight and three, which they were yesterday. But when we look at the standings over in the West Division, uh, it is oh man, I pulled up the wrong standings here again. This is great, great podcasting stuff, Peter. Everyone's gonna love <laughs> it. But it's Katuit at, at they still have yesterday's rankings listed. They have Katuit still listed at eight and three. They're in fact eight and four now. And they have the Harwich Mariners listed at seven and three. And I would I would have to take a look at what the what the scores were yesterday to make sure that I was uh correct on this one. But uh Harwich didn't play last night. They got postponed. So I guess that actually is accurate. They're seven and three. They lead the East Division. Katuit's eight and four. They lead the West Division. Uh, Hyannis is on their heels. I think they're six and five right now, seven and five right now, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Yarmouth Dennis is in second in the East Division. So it's, you know, it's early season stuff. You know, we've seen these teams go, like we saw Katuit go, what, 11 and 0 to open the season, 11 and 0 and 1. I can't remember what it was last I think it was year. Like, I think it was like 9 0 and 1. No, no, no. Okay. But regardless, it was an impressive mark. And yes. I just checked the standing. So I went in early. I went in to edit the we're referring to our podcast plan. It Katuit is in fact eight and three. Okay. You yeah. you 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 actually fixed it, and I was <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You were eight and two before. So that's right there. Eight and three. Um, still atop the West Division. And you know, there's a lot, it, it's very close with like the remaining six teams. Orleans, Brewster, Chatham, Bourne, Wareham, Falmouth. And it wouldn't shock me if, you know, any of these teams emerge, particularly Bourne, you know, um, we know how good they are year in and year out. Kind of the same thing with Brewster. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count those teams out. So 
it's a wide open race. It usually is that way uh, until the middle of the summer and then teams start to pull away. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because we're starting to see, and we're talking about this before we got on air, we're starting to see the more formal rosters take shape where the USA guys are all leaving. Today might be the last day. It seems like the last two days, more heavily so. We've seen the sort of exodus. The pre-draft guys, a lot of them have, have headed out to the combine. Some of them won't return. We're starting to see guys matriculate in that maybe took a week or two off after their teams were eliminated from a tournament. And we're going to see some team, some guys from College World Series teams over the next couple of weeks. So, you know, by 4th of July, we might have what the you know majority of the season, you know, permanent sort of rosters are going to look like. So kind of excited to see how that all shakes out. Should be pretty good. Don't know if you have anything else to add here before we talk about some of the week one performers that we highlighted on the hot sheet earlier this week. Yeah, I think that this is the first point in the summer where with given the USA and how that's formatted and the draft, this is the first point where guys will start to leave um, for whatever reason it is with the combine or team USA last night. I know for any team USA guy that showed up to the Cape. So we're talking like Jace Lavalette, Charlie Condon, uh, Rodney Green, guys, Brody Brecht, guys who got invited to the collegiate national team last night was their last game before departing for training camp. And after that, it's really up to them if they want to come back or not. Mostly, I, I think if you're talking about pitchers, they're less likely to show. And I, I actually don't think that they'll come back, any of them. Um, position guys, it's a little bit more up in the air if they make the team and in play for the full three, three and a half weeks, whatever it is for USA. Not sure if they'd come back, but if they don't make the final roster, you'll see them start to venture back. And then um, with the draft guys, will start to slowly trickle out. So it's a weird turning point. There'll be a little bit of a drop off in talent, but with the college world series ending, you'll also get an influx of talent with these powerhouse guys now showing up. And in talking about the standings, you mentioned it, Katuit and Harwich leading their respective divisions. And then after that, Hyannis is right there within two games of Katuit. They last night, I mean, it was an unbelievable game. Katuit was up six nothing going into the bottom of the ninth. I mean, looked to be on their way to a, a relative. I wouldn't say easy win because it was only two to nothing until the ninth, and then you know it was a it was like fifty. It felt like a Northeast high school game in terms of the weather. It was like fifty nine <laughs> degrees, misting, just sounded miserable. Hyannis had a couple of blunders. Katuit took advantage, so. They stretched it to six nothing, but then Hyannis again. You could kind of, I I don't want to say you could see a six run comeback coming, but as the inning was unfolding, it was like hit by pitch, walk, softly hit single. You could kind of see where the game was headed, and Hyannis took advantage. Uh, it was six to three. Will Taylor dumped a single in the right field. Throw gets away from Katuit's catcher and some heady base running. They tie the game and win it in the tenth. So. Unbelievable victory for the Harbor Hawks. A big one as they keep within two games of Katuit for first place. Um, and then after that, it's kind of a cluster, as you mentioned, outside of first and either division. I'd say more so in the east and in the west. Between other than Katuit being four points up on Hyannis, they're seven up on Bourne and Wareham and eight on Falmouth. But um, in the east, only four points separates first from fourth. So going to be a lot of shuffling around as always. It's 10 excellent teams. Anyone could emerge in any which order in these divisions. So um, going to be a, a really fun month 
month and a couple of weeks to see how it all plays out. Yeah, and I was there for Hyannis Katuit, um, you know, on Wednesday night. They played sort of a home-and-home home on Wednesday and Thursday. And, you know, the rivalry is still there. It's great how that sort of developed over the last two years as Hyannis has really stepped things up. And um, that's a really good lineup. Just from opening night to now, looking at the top of that lineup, um, there's some guys that can hit. You know, they added, you know, uh, Billy Amick, of course, who's been – really good thus far. Um, Cam Smith, I thought looked better than the first game that I had, I had seen him, um, which is impressive. They have Mike Sirota for the entire summer. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, or we can even get into it now. Why not just get into it now and talk about that topic? Um, Sirota playing for Hyannis the entire summer is huge news, not only for Hyannis, but I just think for the Cape, like, this is a guy that very reasonably could have been a starter for Team USA. I don't think I'm talking out of turn by saying that. Um, was a Dodgers pick back in 2021. I think they wish they offered him just a little bit more money to get him to sign because um, he's going to get a few million dollars, I would imagine, uh, next year. Play, you know, play center field, plays right field. He uncorked a throw from right field the other night. I know you weren't there. That, you know was pretty much the wall to third base in the air on a line, almost caught a guy going to third. Um, the skills are all there. He can run. It's, I mean, every at bat is super competitive, um, works deep. He's really, really tough out for anybody. Um, I think that's a big, that's a big one. And, you know, if I had to place a wager uh, at this moment uh, on a player potentially finishing, you know, uh, as the MVP, I think I would place my wager on Sirota. Not to say there aren't other great candidates. We'll talk about a few today. But um, I think that's pretty huge news. And when I heard that after the game on Wednesday, um, I was kind of excited because I was like, hey, I'm going to get to see a lot more Mike Sirota this summer with a wood bat. And uh, that's that's exciting stuff because I think he is legitimately uh, a first-rounder next year. I don't think, like I said, I'm speaking out of turn by saying that. What are your, what are your thoughts on Sirota being here all summer? Without a doubt. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Not only is it good for the league to have a premier talent like that stick for the whole summer and and not be like, oh, you know, it's great. We've got him now, but like, eh, he's leaving in a couple of weeks for USA. It's like, nope, <laughs> sure. he's here for the whole summer, which is outstanding um, for the whole league. And then obviously for Hyannis, as, as, as you said, he's a top half of the first round type talent in my mind. Um, and he's he's as five tool player as I think you'll find in the league this year. He's twitchy as all get out outstanding hands at the plate. You're not going to beat him with the fastball. Um, he has a gap to gap approach plus runner, great defender out in center field. Um, he's, he's going to be man in terms of raw talent, it's going to be tough to top Sirota in the league this year. Um, and then talking about the MVP race, at least to, very 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 early in the game so anyone i guess still technically is in contention to win it depending on how they play but i think that the only reason that sirota might be lagging behind the guy that i mentioned now is just because sirota came i don't know if a week or so after he did but siever king from wingate will now wake forest for harwich is hitting 471 in nine games so off to an excellent start for King, but again, Sirota has the capability to put up monster numbers. He has the capability to dominate the league. We saw it last year um, in his stint with Hyannis. He more than held his own as a true freshman, which is incredibly admirable. So 
I have no doubt this summer is going to be more of the same for him and, and he's going to improve his draft stock and, and prove himself as that few million dollar type talent, as you alluded to. And then one point I want to go back to with Hyannis and Cam Smith is he was someone that really impressed for Florida State in the fall, dipped off a little bit in the spring with some strikeout issues, some chasing issues, but um, he has he looks the part of a big leaguer on the field, takes a pro BP as physical as they come rocket arm at third. And I think for a freshman, you're in this constant development phase where like he is continuously getting his eyes hot and getting his approach refined. And you've seen it in the first, I don't know, 11 games that he's played. And the back of the baseball part, the back of the baseball card isn't super sexy two sixteen, but you look at it, the strikeouts aren't enormously high. He's putting the ball in place, hitting the ball hard, and I think that's a really positive sign. So um, good start for Hyannis for sure. Um, as you mentioned, with the new leaf turning over, it's really like you can't come up with a new name for Hyannis, but it's like a, a completely different franchise than it was in, I don't know, 2021. So um, it's it's been excellent to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've talked about that uh, a few times, but yeah, year in, year out now, it seems like that's going to be a pretty good roster. Um, they make smart decisions and acquisitions uh, in season and and now this year in terms of, of team building, um, which credit to Nick Johnson and that front office. They've done a great job. I wanted to talk a little bit about this player that you had mentioned earlier. Um, I think he's kind of the buzz of the cape right now. He's getting a ton an absolute ton of smoke um, on the draft side. It was one of the first names that was in the transfer portal just because of Wingate's division. Their season ends a little bit earlier. Um, so he was in the portal before Division One guys were. But that is Seaver King. He's a recent Wake Forest transfer. So Wake fans, if you're listening today and you're feeling a little down in the dumps about that loss, uh, this is some good news. Seaver King looks like a potential first-rounder. And he's going to be patrolling the middle infield for you guys next year. Um, as you said, you know, as ripping it up early on, um, I think he was 10 for 15 over his last three games going into last night. Uh, had a four-hit game on Monday against Katuit and followed that up with five hits on Tuesday against Brewster. I think he just had a hit on Wednesday, and then his game was rained out uh, last night. So Seaver King looks like a guy that is must-see right now. Um, going to end up at Wake. And I think that this is this is a guy that could potentially lead the Cape with major first round buzz and a lot of hype, and kind of be like the opposite of uh, Maui Huna, who struggled last year when he was here, ended up getting a USA invite, goes to USA, struggled with Tennessee, kind of dropped out of that first round window and picture. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Seaver King. His skill set is really intriguing, just in terms of the hit tool, the bats of ball skills, the approach, the power you know, overall infield skills, that sort of thing. Um, what are your thoughts on Seaver King? I don't think you've had an opportunity to see him yet, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you caught him once. Um, what are your thoughts there? Because it looks like this could be, you know, one of the major pop-up guys this summer on the Cape. Yeah, so I've only seen him on video, but as um, we kind of allude, we talked about earlier, um, he's arguably been the most impressive player to this point on the Cape. He had that 9-for-10 stretch between June 19th and June 20th against Gatuit and Brewster. 
And he's absolutely tearing it up, coming off a monster season at Wingate. Again, you mentioned the transfer to Wake Forest. He is super, super explosive at the plate. Fast twitch guy, plus runner. Um, the glove needs a little work, I think. But that, this is where this summer comes in key, where it's just kind of like you stick him on the dirt and you let him work out the kinks there. He's super athletic and the actions are good. So it's all about just getting reps and, and continued refinement of the glove. And it looks, it looks to be solid so far. And I know that's where he's going to fit in with wake um, in 2023. So he's turning the cover off the ball, putting the ball in play at a consistent rate. Typically you see with division two and, and some of even the lower level guys, they go through this adjustment period of the Cape where facing this high level pitching, they're a little overwhelmed early on, but King has dominated. I have no doubt that he'll continue to rake throughout the summer. I don't think that he'll hold the 471 average, but again, short list of guys on that top pro prospect MVP type watch, just especially when you look at who's going to be here for the whole summer and, and the numbers that they'll have at the end. I think that he definitely fits the mold for someone who takes home that award. And then in terms of the draft next year, you're spot on. It's, it's top 50 overall buzz right now. Um, with continued success on the Cape, it's only going to get higher. And then especially if he goes to wake and, and mashes against ACC pitching, that's a, you're talking about a legitimate first round talent here. Yeah, no, I, uh, I a hundred percent agree. Let's uh, we talked about one player that I think probably is going to, he's in the, he's in the, 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 the bird dog seat at this point, he's on the, the top of the leaderboards for next week's hot sheet in week two. Uh, didn't play enough games to qualify for week one. I think it was maybe like one or two games at that point. So that's a name to look out for. At this point, he's kind of uh, he's kind of the clubhouse leader for the number one spot this week. But last week, we're going to go back and talk more Harbor Hawks. Um, Hyannis uh, has a player who's draft eligible who was number one on the hot sheet. I think this sheet, this hot sheet, was probably a little bit more draft eligible heavy just due to the, the nature of the Cape, the pre-draft timing prior to um, the combine and all that sort of stuff. So you had a lot of those names there. They're going to perform. They're a little bit older. But number one is Ben Williamson, someone who has not gone to the combine. And Williamson out of William & Mary uh, from our, our good friend Mason McRae, who's now with the Cubs. Uh, Shout-outs to Mason. But he was phenomenal over the first week of the season. 10 for 20. 500, 545, 700. Only had one run, but had four doubles, a couple of RBIs. That's in the rest of the lineup for not driving him in. Because uh, 10 hits in the first week and four doubles, pretty good numbers. Williamson's a really interesting name. He's somebody that I had called out, I think, in our initial um, preview podcast as a guy that was uh, a pretty interesting player. Just from like the data and analytics standpoint, Pretty good bat-to-ball skills, pretty good swing decisions. There's power there. Kind of checks all the boxes in the big three. He looks like he's going to be a, a senior sign in this draft for somebody and could turn out to be a pretty good player. Um, what are your thoughts on Williamson? I, I got to see him a couple of times now. I don't know if you've seen him yet. Yeah, again, haven't seen him yet because I, I um, Hyannis first came to Ketuit, I think, a couple days after I left for the College World Series. But – Mid-major banger with Williamson hit 390 at William and Mary, 11 doubles and 12 jacks. I think he he walked 40 times compared to just 22 strikeouts. He 
I mean, he tears the cover off the baseball and in the field, he is super, super dynamic as well. Played a little bit of shortstop and third base for William and Mary, but on the Cape, he's been used in left. He's even been used in center field where he's been able to show off his athleticism. And I think on the dirt is where he fits best, but at third base, he's really comfortable moving laterally. He's really comfortable coming in on the baseball, can throw from all arm angles. Um, I think has a plus arm in my book. And he's been excellent. You talk about guys coming to the Cape and improving their draft stock with how it's all formatted um, nowadays. And he's he's definitely someone who has done exactly that, hitting 400, four doubles and five RBIs, um, only five strikeouts in his 30 bats. And I, I think where in terms of senior signs, he, he screams like top seven, top eight round type pick, potentially even earlier. Um, on a little bit of a discount. So Williamson's been excellent for him. And I love the fact, again, just how with Sirota, maybe it wasn't so much of a choice with USA, but um, at least with Williamson, I love the choice of not going to the combine. Um, I, I think that there's no better combine and no better stage and, and way to prove yourself to teams than success on the Cape. In, in not a controlled setting where it's game-like scenarios, you're playing top-end talent. And I think that's the best quote-unquote combine out there. So credit to Williamson for not doing that. Credit to him for staying. I don't know how long he's going to stay before the draft. Some guys leave a little bit before. Some guys play through the draft. So I can't speak on when he's departing. Um, but for however long he's here, there's no doubt he's going to continue to produce. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, agree with you there on everything. He made some great plays in left field, actually, in the first game. He made a, a diving catch where he laid out, and it was like, that guy is a third baseman, and he just made that uh, that play in a corner outfield. That's not too bad. Um, another guy from Hyannis uh, I wanted to mention, third base outfielder as well, Billy Amick of uh, Clemson. I think he's actually in the portal, though, so we shouldn't probably say that he's actually from Clemson because he's going to end up somewhere else. I don't think he's committed yet. I haven't heard any of those rumors. You may have heard something different. Um, he's another guy that, you know, ranked three on our week one hot sheet. Uh, he hasn't slowed down. He's hitting 407, 500, 704 across his first 33 plate appearances. That's 11 hits and 27 at-bats. Got a couple of doubles, a couple of home runs. Uh, five strikeouts to four walks, four RBIs. Numbers are there, and Amick bangs, man. He's definitely somebody that I'm pretty interested in. Um, he's a, a 2024 draft-eligible guy, November birthday. Um, what are your thoughts there with, with Amick, and where do you think he ends up? Because Clemson's a pretty big school to transfer out of, especially when you're playing. Um, yeah, where do you think he ends up? Is he a guy that can maybe end up at LSU? Oh man. I, I think that with the season Billy Amick had, um, I think that he's going to have his pick of where he wants to play. And I have no doubt it's going to be a big time power five school. But in terms of the Cape, he's got such an interesting story because he played so sparingly as a true freshman at Clemson. I think it was something like he had under 20 at bats as a true freshman, which isn't totally uncommon for, for someone in their rookie campaign, but um, this year he went absolutely silly. He hit 413, 17 doubles and 13 home runs. It's a really quiet operation at the plate, but he gets the ball up in the air consistently and with impact and drives the ball with authority. He's got power to all fields. And we've seen it so far in the Cape. And 
on arguably the most difficult stage and the most difficult league in, to hit in. And he's got two of Hyannis's three home runs to this point, a couple of doubles to his name. Um, and then the approach is also good. There's not a ton of swing and miss there. And even his outs are hard hit. I mean, he's finding the barrel consistently. He's got great feel to hit. Uh, throwing the barrel on the baseball to, at a consistent rate. So again, um, I'm not sure where he's going to end up for 2024, but similar to Seaver King in terms of draft status and and similar to Sirota, I think he is a certified day one guy at this point. And with continued performance on the Cape, that's only going to go up. So uh, very looking like it's going to be a very, very interesting summer for Mr. Amick. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, a name I think everyone should keep an eye on. Probably another potential option there as we talk about uh, players that, you know, have some some MVP caliber sort of stock and especially what they've done early. Um, I wanted to ask you about another player that's since uh, matriculated out. He is a draft eligible left-hander. Joe Whitman of Kent State. You saw him with Katuit. Um, I know this guy following that start, and some of the feedback that we started to get from scouts and cross checkers and decision makers with, you know, uh, front offices was that this guy could be the first college lefty taken in this draft. This is a particular archetype that has not been very deep this year. There were some questions. I know uh, Carlos had talked about this. He might've talked about it with you was, Hey, this might be the first year in a long time. There's no college lefty taken in the first round. Is Whitman a guy that could potentially see himself taken at the back end of the first round. How high can we see this guy go? What did you see from him? I did not have an opportunity to see what I know you did though. He was excellent. He made one start, but he certainly made his mark five shutout innings with nine strikeouts against an always talented Yarmouth Dennis team. And you make a great point with talking about college lefties. You're kind of, it's a very, very small bucket of guys. It's like Hunter Owen, Sean, when talking about the top tier, it's, it's Sean Sullivan, Hunter Owen, and now Joe Whitman. And I think that the ceiling for Whitman, I think that it's not outside the realm of possibility he gets selected in the first round. Mm-hmm. I don't know if someone's going to pull the trigger in the in the true first round, but I could absolutely see a comp type pick or early second round for sure. And I think that he's almost solidified himself as a day one guy at this point. Fastball was up to 95. It really took off when it was elevated, got a ton of swing and miss. The slider was was absolutely a plus pitch in my look, a ton of sweep to it, got a lot of ugly swings and misses. And then the key for him has been the development of a changeup. He turned over a couple of good ones. Um, what I saw in, in what I saw, he got a couple of right-handed hitters to swing over it, generated soft contact. And then really, if not for anything else, it was just a different look for hitters to see that he had it and, and to, and to change their eyes a little bit and, and keep them off balance. So I thought it was about as good of an outing as you could have asked for in terms of improving draft stock and also just in general. I think he allowed one hit in five innings, no walks, nine Ks, and it was against really good, talented hitters. So um, big time, big time start for Whitman. And I think that you can somewhat confidently say he'll go in day one at this point. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, and we are back with the remainder of the Cape Cod pod for this week. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, Jansen Kiesel, who uh, Oklahoma State right-hander, saw him debut for Katua the other day. He goes five innings, allows three hits, one earned run, um, two walks, struck out four, mixed a couple of different fastball shapes. He had a four-seam fastball that was more efficient. We're talking like 20 to 21 inches a ride in terms of what was coming off of the trackman there at Katuit. Eight to nine inches of horizontal break. Was mixing a two-seam fastball as well that had a ton of arm side ride, sometimes 15 to 16 inches. That was a little bit softer, 89 and 93. Kind of mixing both in each at bat. And slider 80-83, changeup also had a cutter in the high 80s. It was a really good pitch mix. He navigated that really tough hyannis lineup well. Got some swings and misses, got some bad contact. He's a really interesting arm. You know he's in a perm contract, should be here with Katua for quite a bit. Um, kind of looks like he could be their ace, frankly. Um, really interesting arm and somebody that I'm uh, excited to see a few more times throughout the summer. I don't know if you have any Jansen Kiesel thoughts at all. So you, I mean, you saw him in person and there's nothing more valuable than an in-person look, but in watching him at BYU his freshman year and then a little bit at Oklahoma State, it's an electric arm talent. Um, had a great year at BYU in his freshman year and then entered the portal where he'd end up in Stillwater for Coach Holiday. Uh, 7-8 ERA, which in 
honestly, in today's college game, it's crazy to say that's not all that <laughs> uncommon, um, especially when your home stadium is O'Brate Stadium, which is an absolute airport. The ball, for those who don't know, the ball absolutely zooms at O'Brate. It's like hitting a golf ball. But, um, yeah, he – I think the command has always been his bugaboo. You look at his stats this year at Oklahoma state, 19 walks and in 18 innings in 18 and a third, which obviously that's going to bite anyone in the butt a little bit. And when you get a lot of traffic on the bases, they'll come around and score. Um, and that's, that's kind of led to an increase in ERA along with a couple of stinker outings, but 34 K's in those same 18 and a third innings. So it's electric stuff. As you mentioned, fastball, it's two different shapes, four and a two. Uh, the four seam, I know in your look was up to 96 at Oklahoma state, it's been up to 98. And then the two seam is more of like a, a variance in shape, honestly. And it's kind of, he'll use it more later in outings to, to, I, I guess, just, uh, I guess provide hitters with a different look for lack of a better mm-hmm. phrase, but the slider flash plus, it, I think it can be a true out pitch down the road. Um, really tough release height to pick up, especially when the ball explodes out of his hand like that. The key for someone like him, though, um, is just going to be command. And we saw it kind of what he can be, or you saw what he can be on today's Friday, on Wednesday, what he can yeah. be his best. And it's really effective. Held Hyannis, as you mentioned, a strong lineup to just three hits and five innings pitched, four Ks, um, and the command was there. So, I think that's the the best version of Jansen Kiesel, and I think one that he should be able to continue for the summer, and he's got a chance to improve upon his 2024 draft stock and, and prove himself as a potential weekend starter next year for Oklahoma State that's that's going to need a couple guys after the departures of Jerron, or the presumed departures of Jerron Watts-Brown to the draft, and then um, Ben Abram and and Brian Hendry. So um, good start for Kiesel. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get on the ground and watch him myself. Shouldn't be too long now. So you'll probably see him next week, next Wednesday, you might see him go. So <laughs> exactly. Not too bad. It was uh it was a good first outing though. You know, love to see a draft eligible arm with some upside and some stuff, um, which is cool. I wanted to ask you about this guy. You wrote about him last week in our college hot, in our college, in our Cape Cod hot sheet. That is Hunter Hines, first baseman outfielder from Mississippi State. He's on Yarmouth Dennis. He's a 2024 draft-eligible player. Over the first week of the season, hit 400, 419, 700. He was 12 for 30 with six runs scored, three doubles, two home runs, 11 RBIs, a walk, three stolen ba- excuse me, three strikeouts, and three stolen bases on three attempts. Talk to me a little about Hunter Hines. That was a really, really loud line. Yeah. I mean, you look at this kid in person um, and I had the, uh, with the, with the YD game on opening day and Whitman going, I was in attendance um, and you know, you see him and you're like, Holy cow, this is a, this is a big boy. And at Mississippi state had an excellent year at 297 with 22 jacks, six, three, two, 10 left-handed hitter. Just, I mean, he pummels the baseball and in talking about him at Yarmouth Dennis and for the listeners out there, Yarmouth Dennis is the smallest park in the league in terms of distance. It plays pretty true as well. Um, with right field being extremely, I think it, I don't want to call it shallow, but it right field is not deep at all. I mean, right, right-handed hitters will, will leave the yard backside there. 
And with Hunter Hines, you're talking about a 6'3 lefty, left-handed hitter with, for my money's worth, I think it's 60-grade raw power. So Hmm. someone of that profile is – that screams someone who's going to have a really, really good summer, especially playing 22 games at Red Wilson Field. And we saw flashes of it in his first um, first week plus. He hit two home runs, both at Red Wilson Field, um, but also has four doubles to his name. And I think his 11 RBIs lead the league right now. Um, I'll double check, mm-hmm. but it's second in the league. But again, really productive start for Hines. The two home runs um, are also tied for second in the league. And I think that when looking back at at who is who are the biggest producers in the Cape for the summer, um, Heinz got a ch- Heinz has a chance to to lead the league in both I'd say home runs and RBIs just with the type of player he is. It's a, a gap to gap approach. Hits the ball with with authority to um, to each gap and and can drive the ball out of the yard on on a routine basis. So I think that he's someone that that could put up gaudy numbers playing for, for coach Pickler. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing you failed to mention about uh, red Wilson field was it three sixty five to dead center. Like, I think it's something like there. So they don't have the distances like some other parks do. Um, so they don't, there aren't any distances listed, but you can go to Google maps or whatever it is and, and measure it out yourself. It's, it's very similar to Maryland's ballpark in terms of center yeah. field distance. Yes, I I saw a ball that was hit under 400. Looked like it was hit 460 feet a few years ago by Dom Keegan. There, I think I talked about that in in episode one. Um, so yeah, it is a place where a hitter like Hines can be absolutely like lethal. You know, um, there's few places where you're going to run into something like that. Um, here, I wanted to sort of uh, mention this one as well before we finish up. I got Tanner Witt going tonight uh, for Chatham. As I mentioned, he's a draft-eligible guy. What should I come to expect from Witt? I haven't seen him since 2021 in the Cape. He made a start actually post-USA. He's one of the rare post-USA pitchers that showed up. Um, But I remember kind of a high-ride four-seam fastball like in the low to mid-90s and a big hammer curveball. I think he had a changeup and maybe had a slider as well. But I I distinctly remember – that rainbow curveball. Um, talk to me about wit so I can be prepared for tonight. What I'm going to see and wear him. <laughs> I'll try and give a good synopsis, but guy who had Tommy John surgery last year, um, which was a bummer because his sophomore season was off to a great start, was fortunately able to come back at the tail end of this year um, in May, made a few appearances for the Longhorns, only threw 10 and two thirds innings. Numbers weren't great, but again, it's a guy that's coming off of Tommy John and honestly probably still recovering from Tommy John, so I'll cut him an enormous amount of slack there. But eight walks, eight Ks, 11 hits, and 10 and two-thirds innings. Um, ERA of almost 11, but you hit the nail on the head with wit. It's uh, At its best, it's a big-time fastball that run and, runs and rides through the zone up to, gosh, I want to say it's only been up to 94 this year, but that velo is going to keep creeping back as he gets, um, I mean, honestly, just as he keeps throwing. So, I mean, depending on the weather, you could see 93 to 95 from Witt and then that trademark hammer curveball. It's got a ton of depth, really sharp bite to it with some teeth. And, um, yeah, I, I think with, again, I think that this is where, while the draft being in July is a curse for a lot of 
I, you know what? It's a curse for all 10 Cape teams for, for a various number of reasons, but I think it's a blessing for guys like Tanner Witt and any other prospects who may have missed a year due to injury or, or need to improve upon their stock. And I think that he has a golden opportunity here to make however many starts it is two or three starts prior to the draft and, and solidify and maybe even approve upon a stock where he could be a, uh, in a definite day one pick and then maybe even creep himself a little bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited to see him tonight. Hopefully I get a good performance. Maybe he goes a little bit deeper. I'll have that video up for everybody to uh, take a look at what Wit looked like tomorrow morning. I uh, doubt I'm going to be able to come home from that game, cut the video and get it up before 10 o'clock. After 10 o'clock, I don't like to <laughs> you'll get a morning. You'll get a morning video on this one. But Peter, we've been through everything. I just want to thank you for everything that uh, you bring to the table here with the Cape Cod League pod. Your looks, my looks, kind of mashing them together to give people some insight into what's going on in the peninsula during the early point of the summer. We'll be back again next week. This was the Cape Cod League pod. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.